Welcome to week two, the dawn of the dead month. I am Cindy. It's Romero month. Oh, it's Romero month. That's what we're calling it. That's Josh. I'm Cindy. He's a veteran viewer of scary movies, and I'm one. I'm what we call a virgin viewer, where I don't know shit, but I'm learning slowly. Yeah. I'm starting to get better references with stuff. Okay, this is uh, week two. Last week we watched Do- Day of the no Night of the Living Dead. This week we are watching Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Okay. I love the titles of these movies because you are going to trip all over them all month. Wow, thanks. (laughs) Okay, so uh, last week came out in 1968 and really tackled um, the race situation in America at the time, right? And we talked Mm -hmm. pretty much about that. When did this movie come out? 1979. That is a good year. May 24th of 1979. May 24th is six months to the negative. My mom was three months pregnant with me, four months pregnant with me. There you go. How exciting. This is one of the movies that I was really excited about when we first started on the podcast. I was like, eventually we'll get to like movies The Romero movies? These. This whole month. I'm super excited. I'm legit very excited to watch these with you. Cool. Um... Yeah, so Dawn of the Dead. Yay. It is unrated. Is it another Pittsburgh movie? It is the most Pittsburgh. The most Pittsburgh of the uh, movie? Of all of the original trilogy. I think Land maybe outdoes it in Pittsburghness, potentially. Okay. But we'll let you decide that later. Okay. This movie is unrated, and the reason it's unrated was the MPA threatened an X rating if Romero didn't make cuts. To the film, and he basically convinced his distributors to release the film unrated. All advertising material stated that while having no explicit sex in the movie due to graphic violence, no one under 17 will be permitted into the theater. So this is like the first R type rating. Well, there was an R. R existed. They wanted him to cut it down to get an R. And he basically wouldn't do were it. Like, You're going to get an X. Which was what they labeled porn. Porn, yeah. yeah. That's where you get the triple X stuff from. Yep. They, they Basically, in the, the ad campaign, they had to be like, there's no fucking in this movie. It's just super violent. It's just really gory. And so, it's really not very gory by today's standards. So 1979, Carter was president. Yeah. Anything We're else going on? One year away from... Uh, the nightmare that would become Reagan. Mm-hmm. So 1979. You want to hear some facts about the year you were born? I know... Like I said, Carter was president. I know the gas crisis was going on, but that's about it. The Steelers beat the Cowboys in Super Bowl thirteen. Good. I hate the Cowboys. Dukes of Hazard debuted. <laughs> Sid Vicious of the Sex Pistols is found dead. Oh, yeah. The Iranian Revolution, the Ayatollah Khomeini is put in charge. Three Mile Island occurs. Oh, yeah. Pinwheel officially becomes Nickelodeon. <laughs> that will become a major, major part of my life. Uh, Margaret Thatcher is elected I'm, Prime Minister of the UK. I'm so Canadian because of that childhood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first Happy Meals introduced. Nice. So I've never known a life without a Happy yeah. Meal. Los Angeles passes a gay and lesbian civil rights bill. And that's a thing that we're recording on today. What is today's date? Exactly? Today's the 15th. Exactly. Yep. The 15th of June. The 15th of June. And much to everyone's surprise. The Supreme Court actually came out and said that it, uh, LGBTQ people are covered by the Civil Rights Act. Yeah. LGBTQ plus trans queer people are covered by the Civil Rights Act and it's, shut up about it. Michael Jackson's Off the Wall album's released. The Iran hostage crisis begins. Pink Floyd releases The Wall, and Smallpox is certified eradicated. I'm so glad that's coming back. Uh, people that were born that year, the same year as you. Cindy Below. <laughs> Sarah Pauly, who would go on to star in the remake of this movie in 2004. Jordan Peele. Yep. Oscar Isaacs, Heath Ledger, Pink, and John Krasinski. New words that were brought into the vernacular slash dictionary. What? Compact disc. Oh, that's neat, because that won't become a household name for a long time. First world problem. In 1979. Mm -hmm. Gender expression. Okay. Homeschooler. Okay. Outsource. And smoke and mirrors. Nice. Smoke and Mirrors always reminds me of like a James Bond thing. That's the name of the Tom Savini documentary that's on Shudder, which is perfect because I'm about to talk about Tom Savini. We talk about the cast of this movie. Is he in this movie? He's in this movie and he's in charge of the effects. This movie is written and directed by George Romero. George A. Romero, like we talked about last week, a 
born Brooklyner who became a Pittsburgh and lived there for a very long time and mm-hmm. worked on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood before he hit it big with his zombie films and Creep Show and other films that weren't so big. <laughs> uh, the cast is, I'm not really going to go into a, a lot of talk about him. It basically stars Ken Forey as Peter and I think other than this he's really known for his connection to Rob Zombie in the Halloween remake Lords of Salem and the Devil's Rejects. They were it, wouldn't they? Yeah. David Emge plays Steven who really i think people only know him as half moon and basket case two scott Reniger is roger he was in romero's night riders and he had a small cameo in the dawn of the dead remake in 2004 galen ross is francine she was had a small role in creep show and she's a director like a noted director of like, in documentaries. her own cool what's out now and then tom savini <laughs> so tom savini does the effects for this movie he ran the effects for this movie and he plays a character I believe called Machete, or at least that's what I've, Machete. Always, I've okay. always called him in my head. He has done the effects for so many movies. He did the effects for the first Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, he's been around forever. He is has his own school in outside of Pittsburgh where mm-hmm. he teaches effects. Like he is Pittsburgh through and through. Cool. Like he even went on record as saying he loved Pittsburgh and he got out of having to go to Hollywood because Hollywood came to Pittsburgh in the form of George Romero. Nice. So he didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah. They worked on like every movie together. Cool. Savini went on to direct the Night of the Living Dead remake in 1990. Okay. So this movie's been remade a lot. Well, Night of the Living Dead got remade. The one we watched last week. Tom Savini remade that in 1990. What was the one in 2004 then? This movie got remade in 2004. Okay, gotcha. All of Romero's zombie films, except for Land of the Dead, have been remade. At least a couple times. A couple things I want to talk about before we watch this movie to kind of give you some information, Cindy, is there are three cuts of this movie. Okay, which cut will we be watching? Um, We're watching the theatrical cut. It's 127 minutes long. Is that the original cut of the movie? Romero's theatrical cut. Okay, what movie? Uh, what the there's a 139-minute extended cut. The thing about this movie is horror fans know this name. You might not. So Dario Argento is a huge, famous Italian horror filmmaker. Okay. Dario Argento did like Suspiria and Deep Red, and he is like him and Lucio Fulci are like the faces of Italian horror. Okay. But he was such a huge fan of Night of the Living Dead, and he was friends with Romero. He was like, come to Italy, come to Rome, stay with me, write this next zombie movie. Sure. Because Romero had gone, like, he did Night of Living Dead, which was a huge hit, but he didn't get any of the money. And then he kept making other films that, to were, try and get money. that were not, like, super well received. Mm-hmm. So you got to think, like, 68 to 79, finally he yeah. was like, I need to make another zombie movie. That, so, yeah. So he went to Rome and stayed on, he went to Rome with his wife and stayed on Argento's couch. Sure. And wrote this movie in three weeks. And Argento helped him raise the money. To make the movie. That's right on. Uh, helped him with get music for the movie. And in exchange, he got rights to do a cut of this film for Europe. Okay. And that's the third which cut. Which is the third cut. It's the European cut. It's 119 minutes. It's the shortest. Okay. And it deals less with like character interaction and more with just like down to the zombie action. Okay. And that's and, just kind of more his yeah, style anyway. All three films have different music. <laughs> Sure. They're very different movies. So we are watching the original. We're watching the cut. theatrical cut, the preferred cut of this movie. Okay, by Romero. Where can you get this movie? So I'm sure we have the Blu-ray special edition. I have the Blu-ray. There's a special edition, a crazy big special edition coming out later this year from Second Sight Films, which is a British company. Mm-hmm. This movie is out of print. Okay. Which is crazy because it's a huge fucking cornerstone of horror. But they did a ton of Blu-ray releases and then they just stopped. And now they're going for like 70, 80 bucks a piece. Wow. Like eBay. So can you stream it? I don't think you can stream it because the rights are so fucking weird. Good luck, suckers. But my thing is, I bet almost everyone who listens to this show has a copy of this movie somewhere. Okay. Like at one point you could find this for like five or six bucks. Okay. And like a bin. like, And just, it happens to be a yeah. big deal right now. We're watching my Stars Anchor Bay Blu-ray of this. That's signed by Tom Savini. He signed Ooh. my Blu-ray sleeve years ago at a convention. So this is the most profitable of the dead films for him. Good. He deserves some money after the bullshit in the first one. I'm excited. Okay. I really fucking like this movie. Well, let's go watch it. All right.
Join us. Join us, won't you? Mind the doors. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Not that room! Not that room! Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the Dead. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Get out. I don't believe it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shoot it, man. Now, accept the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operator dead. Post abandoned. You may never get out of the room. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center. One of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their lives. We've got a war. I'm afraid. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon, it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. Dawn of the Dead. Hey guys, welcome to the second part of Dawn of the Dead. Man, spoiler alert, Hmm? I fucking really like this movie. I loved this movie. Yeah. This movie checked off a lot of my boxes, uh, and I got weird boxes. Like, uh, hey, uh. listeners, mm-hmm. we liked this movie so much we actually watched. We it watched twice. it twice. It's true. Yeah, not like that. Yeah. So I have this. I have this really weird. Um, I'm a real big fan of <laughs> like time period stores. Like I love looking at pictures of like old timey kitchens and old timey grocery stores are my favorites. I don't think that's weird. I mean, that's not my thing, but I know yeah. not a ton of people, but quite a few people that that they really enjoy that too. It's, it's just this really cool so. kind of nostalgia thing. So this movie was full of that Checked for me. a lot of the boxes. Which was so cool. And um, <laughs> the gore is the right level of gore for you. Right. It's, it's that it's gory, but there's like it's like that bright red blood. Yeah. Like you can tell it's not real real. Um, it was it was really fun. Uh, hunky You know Hunky Lead Mail. Tom Savini hates the effects of this movie. Tom Savini, the no. effects guy who also played who also, the, yeah. the lead biker guy. Um, before we get into talking about anything else, you kind of just led me to that point, mm-hmm. which is he made the effects for the movie, and he originally wanted to do the zombies as gray rather than that but dusty then they blue. Kind of came off as blue mm-hmm. with the way the light bounced off the gray paint. Oh, and then he wanted to That's do just something realistic I learned with time. blood, but the blood turned out to what he said looked like melted crayon. Yes. And Romero loved it. He was like, we're, we're making the comic book version of Night of the Living Dead. Like, oh, okay. this is the funner version of, even though the original ending of this movie was fucking insanely depressing. I loved it. <laughs> he got to make up for it in Day of the Dead, which we'll get to. But yeah, you just made me think of that a little bit of trivia. Day of the Dead's the next one. Okay, so let me recap the plot. Um, this movie picks up right where the other one leaves off. So... In the first movie where they're watching the news, this one picks up with like behind the scenes of that news. 
And it's another ragtag group of people that find themselves stranded together. Can, can we just give a quick shout out to the fact that the opening shot of this movie is shag carpeting on the wall yes. of, a film stu- or of a television studio? That my mom had in our living yeah. room growing like up. burgundy. Like a weird orangey, it's like very seventies color. It's like a burgundy shag carpet to dull the sound in mm-hmm. in the studio. So um, they wind up at a mall, and they hole up there for five months. An undisclosed but lengthy amount of time. Well, she's pregnant, and she doesn't get like she doesn't have the baby. Yeah, and at first they say she's like three and a half months. But she's way too skinny for that. That's just my opinion. Okay, what does IMDb say? I bet you it's a little bit less rambly. Imagine that. Following an ever-growing epidemic of zombies that have risen from the dead, two Philadelphia SWAT team members, that would be Ken Forey Mm -hmm. and Scott Renegar, Peter and Roger, a traffic reporter that would be Flyboy. Right. Oh, yeah. That's why he had a helicopter. And the television executive girlfriend, Galen Ross or Francine uh, or Fran, seek know, spoiler alert, she's the one who's pregnant. Mall. She's the only female. So they're in a shopping mall. Yeah, so this was shot at the Monroeville Mall, and it was shot during Christmas season, and they shut down, I think it was like two or three weeks for Christmas shopping and Christmas proper, and that's when they shot everything else. Like the downtown stuff in Pittsburgh... Uh, all the stuff at the new station, mm-hmm. all the stuff in the apartment. The apartment that sets over top of the mall is actually in downtown Pittsburgh in the offices they used for their production company. Oh, okay. But what, uh, most of the mall is the mall. The only I think the only store, and I could be getting this wrong, but I think the only store they faked in the mall was the gun store that was in downtown Pittsburgh. I love this movie. I thought it was very fun. I mean, Night of the Living Dead is really good, but it's not what I would call Fun. No. And the pace of this was, you know, it was picked up a little bit just because of the nature of the plot, but it was still an 80s paced, or I guess late 70s paced kind of movie where it took a little bit. Mm-hmm. This was a little bit longer than the other movie, right? About a half hour? This is. Long? I, or is this the longest? I believe this is the longest of all four of the zombie films we'll be watching. I love This them. one's two hours and seven minutes. I know. It was like an hour 40 for or for Night of the Living Dead, and mm-hmm. it's about the same for Day of the Dead. I'm not sure about Land, but I'm pretty sure it's not two hours. I noticed that J.C. Penney's logo was before my time, but Mother recognized it right away. It was Penney's. It wasn't... Oh, yeah, it wasn't even J.C. Penney's. It was just Penney's. It was just Penney's. That was a logo I wasn't familiar with. I thought they had made that up. A lot of the stores, it was so adorable. Piercing Pagoda was still there. That's pretty rad. We'll live forever. Yeah. Everybody wants to get their ears pierced. Last place to die will be Piercing Pagoda. I'm glad to to know the gun store was not actually in the mall. That's a little too murica for me. I don't think the grocery store was either. Yeah, I kind of tried to figure that one out because the best I can figure at that time would be like a Hickory Farms. No. Right? I have Because I lived in New Jersey, the Lando Mall, and I don't remember. I have been to the Monroeville Mall several times. I was there before it, um, so that JCPenney's they shot a lot of the movie in is gone now. Well, they yeah. actually tore it down. Because <laughs> Penny is gone now. And I think they built a uh, movie theater in its spot, like a big Cinemark or something like that. But my friend Jason Jones and I managed to go up. Shout we went, out. We toured the Evans City Cemetery it, uh, from Night of the Living Dead, and then we went to the Monroeville Mall, and they were actually in the process of shutting the JCPenney's down. Like, you couldn't go to the first floor. It was confined to the second floor. Which of you went down the escalator like a slide? Um, huh? We slid down as much as we were. Like, uh-huh. we started to dick around the escalator. All right, let me set the story for you here. JCPenney's was having a going out of sale business. And they were down to... Going in a business sale, not a going out of business sale. Not a going out of sale business. Yeah. They were down to, I would say... uh, Like selling fixtures, yeah. Everything was empty. They just had a little roped off section with what was left. And we asked to speak to a manager. And we... I'm (laughs) sure you're not the first. And she was like, hey, and we're like, listen, we drove up here from West Virginia... You know, we drove three and a half hours. We would love to be able to see some of the stuff from Dawn of the Dead. And she said to us, we're closing 
So, so I don't give a don't fuck. Don't do anything stupid that's going to get yourself hurt. And then when we were going down the escalator and I started to try to slide down it, she was like, do not slide down the escalator. It made do me not stop. do that. But we got to ride in the elevator that Flyboy uh, mm-hmm. gets turned into oh, a zombie he, Yeah, that's where he meets and his end. they end up climbing up into the uh, shaft. <laughs> we yeah we got to go down the escalator we got to walk around the, the the pennies it was really nice they ended up tearing it down and then of course because collectors have managed to monetize every aspect of oh do they have like horror movies building they blocks took of the, the original. rubble and yeah. started selling like the bricks and the mortar from the store none of that I I think if I were to get my hands on a panel from the glass security door of that J C Penny that would be kind of cool. Right, I have because it it opened a little differently than I've seen a lot of mall places open. It didn't have the pull down. Yeah, it was kind of like a bifold. Yeah, I have a piece of the woodshed from Evil Dead Two that was built, but that was built as a set. Hmm. So I've got like just a piece of the floorboard. But that was a thing where when it came when I got the chance to buy it, it was. I couldn't say no to it. Yeah. I don't need to own a, brick a piece of the that brick wasn't a of the mall that just happened to be where. I've been there. Yeah. Like, That's cool. I own other Romero. Where I grew up. I don't need to own like a brick. In Lando Malls, uh, I, that scene from he slides down, you know, between the up and the down escalators. Uh, where I grew up, if there was not a very mirrored wall that separated the two, I, I realized at 40 years old watching this movie, there were these big, it almost looked like a button, like a big silver, about two inches raised, just pieces that like were every few feet on that ramp that separated the up and the down. Uh, and watching this, I went, oh, that's why. Do you know what, you know what those are called? No, what? <laughs> At least, I don't know if this is their official title, but what a lot of malls and escalator companies refer to those. What do they refer to him as? The Rinnegar Bump. The Rinnegar Bump? Which is Scott Rinnegar, the guy who slid down the Oh, really? Because yeah. <laughs> after the movie came out, apparently a lot of people tried to do that. I'm really super curious. Um, Ma isn't the one to ask because she wasn't really a TV watcher, but growing up in New Jersey, when I did being, you know, like, it's... 80s into 90s like a zenial kid the kind that has the what is it the analog childhood digital adulthood the number one thing that we were taught about was escalator safety it was a very big deal in new jersey we've had this conversation so i'm just kind of curious if that happened and it's such a pivotal part of my kind of growing up because of this movie does that make sense there's a rise of escalator <laughs> we, danger after dawn of the dead we had this let's put out some psas weirdly on the cujo episode because yeah. where i grew up oh yeah it was nowhere, rabid dogs it was like everything will give you rabies mm-hmm. and you have to get like 16 shots in your stomach around your belly button yep and you don't want that but we didn't really have a whole lot of escalators to fear. We we had a lot of escalator safety, and we had a lot of um, railroad railroad track safety. The escalator thing. Here's what most people know. It's funny. It's parodied in the movie. Do you know what movie it's parodied Mall in? Mallrats. Yeah, there it was on the news about pieces of shoe that would get caught, or your your shoelace, and you'd lose a leg. And it's like, how the fuck did that? Okay. Yeah. Uh, all that kind of stuff was drilled into our so, heads. So, growing up where you grew up, how far time-wise were you from your local mall? Oh, which like, one? If you were going to get in the car, I was within the mall. I was within 20 minutes of three major malls. Okay. And if I were to go out to 40 minutes, oh, there's untold number of malls I would have hit by then. Because if we're talking 40 minutes, then we're going into King of Prussia, we're going over into Philly, like, mm. I grew up in central South Jersey. Yeah. Where I grew up, it was a 50-minute to an hour drive, either wow. north or south, to get to a mall. And I'm not talking about, like, Mall of America level. I'm talking about the Parkersburg Mall. No. Parkersburg, West Virginia, <laughs> which is tiny. We- or the St. Clairsville <laughs> Mall in St. Clairsville, Ohio, which would always come. It was my favorite part. If we were acting up, we passed a place on the way to the mall. Right before you got to the mall. In my head, I always made it a marker for the St. Clairsville Mall, which was the better mall. Mm-hmm. It was called Fox Run. Mm-hmm. It's where they sent troubled children to live. <laughs> and my parents would, without fail, threaten to drop us off there and leave us there every trip. We had, I had three malls within 20 minutes. 
we had the Cherry Hill Mall, which was America's first indoor mall. I think that's what it was famous for. Like it had, you know what I mean? It, it wasn't like an outdoor uh, promenade sort of a thing. And then Morristown Mall where our, everybody in my lifetime had a job because it was kind of close by. And then Burlington Center, which was on the other side of the tracks. Yeah, my childhood can be summed up by uh, the decline of those malls <laughs> and figuring out, like, oh, which one we hang out at. It's kind of a just a retread of Night of the Living Dead. Right. But with different characters. With higher I would stakes. Say better characters. If you take our main character out of Night of the Living Dead, if you take Dwayne Jones and mm-hmm. his character out of that movie, I think the rest of the characters are kind of flat. Yeah. And I think that maybe that's why I didn't other than my love of the malls is also you spend a lot more time with these people and you really get to know their story pretty well i find at least three of them uh the main three at times like at different times in the story i'm like oh my god like they're but that's how i think real people would react in a situation like this yeah i think the only character that at no point irritates me throughout the story is the character of peter the Ken Forey character. He's definitely he's, a protagonist for this. Yeah, and he's the only character who from beginning to end of the movie is level-headed. Yeah. I don't think he ever, like, and he never cool. And he never lies about stuff. Like, right from the get-go, there's this one scene that, that you pointed out to me. When they are initially leaving on the helicopter, uh, one of the guards asks if anybody has a cigarette, and everyone's just like, no, no, no. And then as soon as they take off, three of the four of them light up and he even uh makes a fate like okay you know but he's always the only one who's really up front and doesn't really have anything to hide he doesn't try to hide a pregnancy hide a relationship you know it's all out in the open this is who he is and he's a good guy and who apparently also knows how to perform an abortion that was weird his dad was a voodoo priest grandfather yeah grandfather I think it was in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. Like, each of the characters represents a different, like... So we're not going to talk about how he just says, he's like, I know how to do it. Yeah, he's like, like, it's a skill. To, I know how to perform an abortion. Abort this baby like, suddenly this is Cider House rules. And the thing is, like, it's not even an option given to Fran. It's given no, to... it's given to the... No, it's never given um, to us. Flyboy. It's given to the, yeah, Steven. the uh, sperm donor he, of the group. I would just call him Flyboy, because that's what they, they call him. I don't him think I would, yeah. I don't think I would know his name, because they just call him Flyboy. I mean, it's a movie where everyone represents a different archetype, mm-hmm. right? You've got, like, the, the, the female character in Fran. And who's seen as weak, and everyone makes decisions for her. She has to actually stand up for herself. And I think they make her even weaker by adding the baby element. This, oh, she needs to be protected kind of a thing. Does that make sense? Well, I think the story as written, and I don't want to, like, shit all over, like, Romero or anyone with this, but... I think she was just kind of there, and then she made some demands on the script. She was the person that said, I'm not going to scream through this movie. I'm not going to be there to just be the person who screams. Like what your face was in the first one. And I'm not going to be the person, like, I want who to Who goes catatonic. Zombies? Barbara. I think it's important that we had a character that was a foil to Barbara in this movie. That like, was, I she, mean, she didn't do much, like you said, but... She did more than Barbara. She does. She ends up doing more. Like her thing, when they start making all the plans for what they're going to do, and then she tells them, I'm not your den mom. Right. Like, I want to be included. I'm one fourth of this group. And then she's the person who comes up with the best idea, possibly, of the whole movie, which is someone else, i.e. me, needs to learn how to fly this helicopter in case something happens to you, Steven. Yeah, that was a good that was a good move, but I don't know why they actually like got up in the helicopter. Well, I guess you have to. I just feel like that was such a waste I mean, he, of fuel. He had her practice taking off and landing. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. Just in the event of an emergency if she had to get out of there, which spoiler alert, she they does. Do. So she's you've got her, you've got the female character. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Strong Black Man. Yeah. Tell drink of water. Peter, who's the he is again much like Night of the Living Dead, the black guy is the and it's never strong a, character, the the level headed leader ever coming out and being like, "I'm the leader." He's kind well, he of the glue that holds everyone together. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the one who just kind of temper. has. He's and it was his idea, if I remember, to say like, "Why don't we stick around here? There's a lot of provisions here. We can at least come up with an, our next step. Like, let's do, let's yeah, camp out here show. for a bit." And then you've got the two white guys. 
Spoiler <laughs> alert, they both die. Yes. And they represent no. so carelessness. Roger's the first one to go. Scott Reniger's the first one and to go. He only goes because of his own carelessness. You know, he's goofing off. They're he's hot wiring the cars. He, he's he not paying unraveled. attention to what's going on and he gets himself bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, nothing can hurt me until it does. And then Flyboy thinks he's the, in, the leader like he should be, although he hasn't made a decision since the jump, but he at least lasts a little bit longer. So the thing about Flyboy that I find irritating, mm-hmm. like, okay, we talked earlier a minute about how three of the four characters at different points in this, the movie I find slightly annoying. I find Flyboy annoying at the beginning of the movie when he's super fucking inept with a gun. Oh, yeah. um, he's trying to like be I'm the leader like I'm the I, I've got captain. the leather jacket and I've got the right? helicopter like, let's I'm, go and he keeps coming up with like you know well I've got clears to fly and they're like bro the world's fucking over yeah. no one cares I'm more worried about someone seeing the helicopter coming here and killing us yeah seeing us land and then just like Roger has this big moment where it's all become a game and he's losing his like grip on reality and he just is goofing and he gets bit because right. he's not being not bringing his a game not not like not putting the lives of the other three above his own right which is something that fran and, and Peter yes do. they both do a lot but then flyboy does the same thing where there's an army of fucking bikers being led by tom savini who are going to break in yeah and they do break into the mall to mm-hmm. kind of rob the mall and then peter's whole thing is there's a million of them man Fuck it. We'll just hole up. They're not going to find us. Let yeah. them take some shit. And then tomorrow yeah. we'll go back to so, sealing everything back up. And- Peter's idea was, okay, so here's where I would mess up. I would be like, let's all just live here. We'll each take a storefront and you just live in it. I mean, it has the grate that closes. It's, we can all be connected through the back hallways, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm a dumb white woman. <laughs> Peter's idea, and it makes perfect sense, is the doorway to the management office of the mall proper is always hidden, right? It's always kind of, it's easy to get to each place in the mall, but it's off the beaten path. They use that and then they hide it. They drywall it over. And they build a false wall. Yeah, they build a false wall. So, I mean, they could go through and rant and, you know, tear up and steal and whatever, and then they'll be gone. And then, and then they're okay. Worst case, you just have to go back to where you were at the beginning. And reset. Closing the doors again and getting rid of the zombies. Or just loading the helicopter up and going someplace else. Right. But he has become so, like, that whole mentality of, this is ours. I need to protect what's we ours. We have to protect ours. Yeah. And he starts shooting at them and it starts a fucking war between them. Mm-hmm. And in the process, he, he gets shot and then left for dead and bit by a zombie yep. and he turns into a zombie and then what's the very first thing he does after he becomes a zombie Flyboy leads all the zombies right back to where to they the are to the living quarters to Fran and to Peter yep because that's yeah like that's pretty much why they're always at the mall because you, you just want to you do what's normal to you hey Cindy you're I mean you're a lot better versed in horror films now <laughs> oh thanks than when we first met I appreciate you thinking that my memory's that good but what is a tried and true trope that everyone knew about horror films especially like up through the 90s everybody there was a dumb blonde chick who would fall and, and a black guy would be the first one who would die and what happens in this movie they are the two who end up who end up saving, not saving the day but end up surviving like so we're two for two it's part of the dawn, whole reason and that, the black guy is either the last person to die or doesn't die at all. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And the blonde lasts a good bit in both movies. I mean, Fran doesn't die. Fran doesn't die, I know. But I mean, Barbara, Barbara, she lasts a she lasts a good bit. I mean, she's not, it takes a while. I think there's something to say about this movie and the fact that the movie starts with the collapse of society and it's in Philadelphia. Watch and then they go across what I like to call Pennsylvania. Nobody talks about those right? areas. The middle of the state where I once was told that Pennsylvania is essentially Pittsburgh on one side, Philadelphia on the other, and Alabama in the middle. Yep. Like they pass over Johnstown. We were and told that the, too. There's like this Lancaster huge hunter thing. And these, all these hunters are out shooting zombies, having a good time. Yep. And then they land in Pittsburgh, which is cleaner. And... Rude. Rude. And they try to settle down and things work out until 
they're ousted by the biker gang. Yeah. And Tom Savini. So, yeah, this is hilarious. So Tom Savini is the leader of the biker gang. Uh, You told me a funny anecdote at one point. So the other fun thing about malls is that they have those decorations. You know what I mean? They always have... Okay, so at one point, one of the bikers grabs, like, a pennant and swings down on it. You know, Indiana Jones style. It's almost believable in a mall. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like... That, that you're talking about that weird cut thing? <laughs> well, yeah. You were... So he swings down, and it cuts in the middle on a swing because they couldn't <laughs> afford stunt people. They so were just doing it. All the stunts were done by Tom Savini and... Um, I forget the other guy's name. Tesos, Safrakis, or something like that. I don't know. But the other guy swings down, and he went too far and, like, hit the ground and fucked himself up. (laughs) And then, like, Savini, when he had to jump off the second story of the mall, he, like, almost missed all the boxes that he was supposed to land in. Because they were like, just jump a flight onto boxes on top of, like, concrete. And he almost missed the entire thing. Um, Yeah. He he did a full-on, like, flip, too. This movie, I think, complete... No, we still don't have fornication for the Arkov method. So Samuel Ziarkov was an exploitation producer who created uh, an acronym of his own name for what would sell an exploitation movie. Uh, Action. Yes. Right from the get-go. The movie starts with... This movie moves a lot faster than The Living Dead does. It starts with uh, her waking up from a nightmare into another nightmare, you know, into the zombies. Uh, She kind of falls asleep in the newsroom revolutionary yes we go back to the zombies the george romero zombies at this point have there been a lot of zombie movies other than him between the release of night of the living dead and dawn of the dead there were zombie movies there have been zombie movies before night but But, they weren't what we consider zombies now okay but i mean honestly the zombie phenomenon craze really didn't hit hard until after this movie came out. Like there wasn't a ton of this movie must have been was this movie Night of the Living Dead. There was a ton of imitators of Dawn of the Dead. That's what I'm saying. It was the is this a big commercial success? This was the biggest commercial success of all of his Because if you think about okay, so this is seventy nine and then in the first episode we talked about all the cultural things that can be tied back to these versions of zombies. Mm -hmm. Thriller comes out in what 85 also like this sets there was a not only a slew of zombie films that come out after this Mm -hmm. but there was a slew of 80s horror movies set in malls that comes out after this (laughs) like chopping mall which i decided to be a great double feature so would would you call this a revolutionary idea then i think so i think it the idea of the mall as much as it's just a in a way of retelling i like the way that uh, it jigsaw but i like the way it jigsaw puzzles in tonight I will say... Like, with them watching the news to, okay, behind the scenes of the news. It was an interesting way to shift the point of view. I would say what's important about this movie, where Night of the Living Dead was kind of a meditation on race race in America and where we were in 68. You think this one's about sexism? Yeah, I think you'd read sexism. I think you could definitely read him kind of predicting the rise of Reagan and consumerism and the me, 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 me culture that was coming about. For sure. Because... All the zombies keep coming to the mall, and they're like, because why are they here? And they're like, well, they just this place meant something to them. Even And I even said, you know, I said, well, you know, I would just hole up there, and they just pick them off one at a time, and then just, you know, burn them down the food court or, you know, something like that. But even me, I forgot mall culture in the 80s. Holy hell. Like, mall culture in the 90s was one thing. We definitely, I was never allowed to be the kid who hung out at the mall. I was allowed to go and hang out with friends for, like, a certain amount of hours. But there were always those kids who hung out. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like they lived by those trash cans. I was friends with all of them. But in the 80s, it was even bigger. Like, everybody worked. Everybody went to the mall. Everybody did everything at the mall. It was the thing to do. You spent the whole weekend there. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, they would just continually keep going there. The killing in this, there's a lot of it. We could see a, a Frankenstein guy lose his head. That was pretty... Well, the top of Jim, his head, Jim at least. Is that, that, that's his name. That's the guy. Have you met him? I have, actually. <laughs> of course. Oratory? Yes. Yeah. I think more than any other 
Romero zombie film, this is the one I would give. What do you remember from this? I mean, Cindy, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Oh, yeah. The dead will walk the earth. (laughs) I mean, that's a pretty, and that's the best explanation you get for why they're zombies. Mm -hmm. And also, this is the first movie where a character on screen refers to them as zombies. Like, Peter calls them zombies for the first time. That's right. In the first, they just call them ghouls. I think a news reporter on TV mentioned zombie once in Night of the Living Dead. But uh, no characters on screen do. Like, okay. This is the first time they're like zombies. This is definitely a fantasy movie. I've been sitting here trying to think in my head. So to show how old I am, there used to be a store called Woolworths that most of the world knows because of the like different lunch counter things that happened at Woolworths. But they, they were a store. They were kind of like a poor man's Walmart. Does that make sense? We had a Hills, not a Woolworth. Okay, yeah. Woolworths were, were in malls. That I, no, they weren't. There were some standalone too. Anywho, as far as where they would have got like the grocery scene, because a mall in the 80s really would have had everything, everything, especially a department store. At Hickory Farms used to always have a stand, you know, a regular stand. You've got the food court for food. And then I guess Woolworth would have like homeware, that kind of stuff, like snack foods, I guess. I'm just going down memory lane now. Oh. I used to love a Woolworth. It always had a very distinct smell. What was your favorite store? What was the one store when you went to the mall you always hit no matter what? Well, it depends. So there was the rich, uh, the fancy mall was the Cherry Hill Mall, which uh, the last time I went had like Gucci and stuff. So it got even fancier. Uh, And that would have been the Disney store when it first opened. And do you remember the Warner Brothers store? Mm -hmm. Yeah, those two stores would have been Number one, number two. I went to the Warner store in Times Square once. At every mall, I would have hit up the wall. Did you guys have the wall? You're staring at me. The wall was a uh, music store. And their big thing was they had these stickers that you would put on your CD or your cassette tape. And it was a lifetime guarantee. You could change, like if it broke, you could change it for the exact same one. And there were these little blue stickers. And it was the wall. Uh, yeah. Didn't have that. I had to, yeah, we'd go there. My sole goal in going to the mall, especially when I got to, you know, a little bit older and you get past the Toys R Us phase, mm-hmm. was uh, Psychos Video. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, That's right. And, and I would it. immediately go to like the <laughs> Kung Fu or horror or action section. I would go to the Suncoast Video. $30 DVD. The Morristown Mall. VHS. If the Cherry Hill Mall was the fancy mall and the Burlington Center was the not good mall, the Morristown Mall was the teenage mall. So everybody hung out and all my friends had jobs. Suncoast Video, I could probably walk to the place where the Mystery Science Theater 3000 VHS tapes were. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Suncoast Video is a good one. I think the last one is Fornication. Which yeah, there's no Fornication. No. Not at all. There's. I would say. I would go so far as to say... If I could by making this her normal, like we said in the past, like I appreciate whenever you've got X amount of time, you're not trying to cram sex stuff mm-hmm. in. But as much as I like this movie a lot, I feel like Fran and Flyboy, Flyboy. have no chemistry. No, um, I think, and maybe I almost wish it would have been Fran and Peter. Yeah, as the couple. Yeah, good luck in '79. That would have blown people's minds. People are still not 100 comfortable with that, and. Romero even said he couldn't even have a black lead for Land, of the, Land of the Dead. Yeah, I think they. I think maybe he made her pregnant to get away with that. You know, like this is why there's no sex, sort of a thing. I guess. I don't know. Eh, I like this movie a lot. Give this, me some trivia we haven't touched on though. This could very easily. I could do a double feature of this in Chopping Mall because because of my intense love of retro malls. <laughs> And shopping experiences. We mentioned Tom Savini. Not only did he play the head biker, and those bikers, by the way, they were part of a real motorcycle gang called the Pagans Motorcycle Club, and they brought their own motorcycles. (laughs) They Uh, were the real comical ones with, like, the sidecar and the long nose, you know, handlebar friends. They were a real motorcycle club. The original ending of the script was... Was what? They die? uh, Peter shoots himself in the head. And then Fran stands up and puts her head in the helicopter propeller and kills herself. Damn. That was the original ending of this movie. And then they were like, hey, man. How about they just fly away? Maybe scale it back to they fly away and, and die, maybe. <laughs> maybe die. We don't know, Leave it but, open. Uh, Leave it up to interpretation. Yeah. 
So Samidi did the effects. He played the character. He did a lot of the stunts. You said he, we, everybody wore many nephews, hats in this movie. His niece and nephew were the two zombie kids. The at kids. The airport. Yeah, when they're when they first take off, they land to try and just refuel, and uh, those, it's the first time they address children those as two kids, zombies. Right, Mike and Donna Safini, his niece and nephew, are the only two zombies in all of Romero's zombie work that run. Because well, they they're run kids. out the door and they're like, Meh. yeah. And he, Peter kills both of them. Yeah, shoots both of them in the Surprise. head. Surprise! That was a thing. <laughs> I still like this movie. Yeah, so I, and you know what? The way that they're killed, I'm not going to put it at the beginning of this episode, a trigger warning for that because it's done in the Romero way that we, when we saw the documentary, you never see them kill. Like you see him, the shot is of the gun. The shot then there's a sh- cut to a shot of the kids. And then a close-up of his face while he's shooting and his reaction of shooting. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So there is no, you know, I'm so hypersensitive about stuff like that, you guys know. But it's not like a trigger warning at all. It's it's hard to say it's done artfully. (laughs) But it's done in the style of Romero so that it's more like, oh, God, he just killed those kids than those kids just died, I guess. Does that make sense? yeah. So, like you said, it was filmed in the Monroeville Mall over the winter of 77 into 78. Basically, they would start shooting at 10 in the evening until 6 in the morning. Wow. And all of the zombies were just extras, like people from town that wanted to be. They were Fans. Like, we love night, man. We yeah. want to be in this. And everyone that was a zombie or showed up and played an extra essentially got a, it was like a dollar, uh, donuts, and they got a t-shirt that said, I was in Dawn of the Dead. I think that's awesome, though. Like, that just makes... Like the time there was, they were doing something for Star Wars, and they needed so many stormtroopers. They had to call upon the fans. Yeah, to come dress up as what? There's a special. Was it for Rogue One or something? Uh, well, there's a special fan club know. that have approved. There's like the five of first. That's it. The five. They, they called them in. They're like, "Hey guys, yeah, they must like, be, yeah." But that makes it even more legendary. It makes it more beloved by the fans. It's kind of cool. Like, I went and saw Seabiscuit, a movie I don't give a fuck about, because I might see a friend of mine in the background. Well, speaking of in the background. Tell me more. George Romero's in the background of this movie twice. So the first time is you pointed him out to me in the newsroom. He's, he's playing the, the one director, of the guys on the, the TV director. Yeah, with the headset. At the beginning. And then later, he is the biker dressed like Santa Claus. And the I didn't know it was him. I kind of want to believe they're the same character. Like the <laughs> he TV devolved into joined a biker gang and then started dressing as Santa Claus as they ripped off malls. Let's do it. Good. What a. I want to know his story. Where did he get let's, that bike? Let's make it. Who did he yeah, have to murder for that? Let's do that, please. Anything else? Anything well, noteworthy? Mention a couple that we haven't touched on. So Romero said this is the the tipping point movie. Like, what do you mean? Night of the Living Dead. There were a shitload of people and not a lot of zombies. This right? is the point in the story when it is 50-50. When there zombies was about people. as many zombies as people. And by the time we get to day and land, people are crazy outnumbered. Especially in day. Okay. So the idea of this is kind of the last chance people have to get their shit together and they can't do it. Which is a tried and true Romero trope. Humans have to get their shit together work as a team and they can't they can't do it you have these four people working in total harmony but yet who's the villain of this movie yeah it's other humans that come in in that bike gang yeah it's not the zombies the zombies are just doing what zombies do yeah i mean because yeah you're right flyboy dies because of the biker gang at the end of the night goes bad because of that it's not the zombies that killed dwayne jones it's the fucking cops right yes zombies are just doing what zombies do and I think that's a very prescient thing that Romero does. And The Walking Dead relies on that narrative a lot of, like, fear the living. Oh, my God, it's the living out to look out for. It's true. But, yeah, humans are inherently fucking evil. They're the ones who ruined it in the first one, and now they ruined, they ruined this one, too. Well, but in different ways. It's like I, we've talked in the past when we talked about ghosts. Man. I grew up never fearing ghosts because my grandmother always told me, you... Don't have anything to worry about from the dead. You got to worry about the living. So I was always just told you don't have to very Romero. fear anything in the forest. Cause there's nothing more terrifying in a forest than a human. Uh, 
<laughs> There's nothing more powerful and more dangerous. I mean, the four movies we're covering for this series, right? So we've done Night of the Living, Dawn, we'll do Day, Day, and, and then land. land. Okay. And if we, like, let's not worry about Land. Let's just, for a second, talk about the original trilogy. Okay. It comes out and years where a lot is going on and really deal with, like, very valuable parts of society. Like, we talked about Night coming out in 68 on the tail end of civil, the civil rights movement. Martin Luther King Jr. died the day they fucking finished the film. It's all about race relations. This movie comes out in 78, right before we're, like, a year out from Reagan getting elected. Yeah. Right? He gets elected in... Is, no, well, he's, he's 78 and 82. And then he would have taken office what? in no, January okay. of 81. So this kind of is like this whole crazy consumerist boom and people milling around the mall and it's super materialistic and but those things are hollow right yeah because how many times do we see them at the beginning when they've got the whole mall to ourselves and And then it just bursts it becomes worthless like even the money right Mm -hmm. what's the point of it joking about like oh we went into the bank and took all the money and then later they're just playing cards with they're lighting like 50s and hundreds like because it's meaningless yeah there's because no infrastructure. Those things are only have meaning whenever we agree upon their meaning and use. Right. And the world has ended. So shit is worthless now. So that's 78. And then next week when we get into day, that's 85. That's smack dab in the middle of Reagan. And where we're at. As a country. In 85, just bickering and fucking hating each other. Like. These movies, I think, are so fucking important. And that's why I wanted to cover them now with the state of this country and the world we're living in. Because I think we can get so caught up with, like, this is all new crazy territory. It's not. Right? It's not. But so hey, next week, we're doing Day of the Dead. Yeah. Day, 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 day uh, of the dead. Came out in 85. Would I watch this one again? Yes. You did. I did. <laughs> I liked this one. Fair. This one didn't kill me. You're not going to murder me with this one. I liked it. Yeah, I like this movie a lot, too. Okay, so next week, Day of the Dead continue. This saga continues with Day of the Dead, when we are beyond the tipping point. Again, all new, unrelated characters. All new, unrelated characters, and there will be one black guy. There will be. So, until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy, and I'm still his girlfriend. Yay.